the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. My guest today is author, master NLP practitioner and certified coach and trainer, Malika Zebalon. Now, I understand that you are a survivor of sexual abuse. Can you share some of those experiences and the impact they had on you? Yeah, sure. Um, I had two different types of experiences. So as a child, but through child abuse, um, that was with a multiple of adults or neither knowing that the others were all abusing me. So at age eight, I was abused by my mum's then ex-partner. Um, age nine was who I call cousin number one. And then when I was nearly 11, I was abused by a foster child. And just to say back then, I actually come from a large family. And this was before the Child Care Act of 1989 came into play. So this is going back in the 70s. Uh, They didn't have that then. So one of the things that happens with children is you may put your child in the bed with a foster child. And what happens was a girl foster child had sexually abused me. And because large assets were so large, the family missed all the signs. And then by the time I got to age 14, so I was 21 years old, cousin number two sexually abused me all those years as well. So by the time I got to being a young adult, I was extreme, when I say young adult, age 16, I was already suffering from depression, suicidal, I'd already attempted suicide in many, many occasions. I had an eating disorder. I, by the time I was 16, I'd left home and gone through homelessness. So we got to the stage, being a young adult, I actually didn't have the skills to navigate or negotiate healthy relationships. I found myself in my young childhood all the way through to adult life up to the age of 40 into unhealthy, two long-term unhealthy relationships. One was of domestic violence and one was um, emotional abuse. So that was really my experiences of abuse and the impact it kind of had on my life. So how long did it take you to heal from all of those horrific experiences? Yeah, that was an ongoing experience, actually. I'd say from my early 20s, off my head, it must be about, say, 22 onwards, I knew I needed help. So I started going for counselling, and I went several times to different types of counselling. I didn't really find what I needed. But by the time I got to 40, I was so exhausted and emotionally distressed that... I then began, my relation was broken down. I should retract to say, you know, I also reached out to my GP on a few occasions and had been put on things like antidepressant tablets. And the healing process was kind of twofold. I don't think if you had met me, you knew I was going or I had all this chaos in my life. I was actually very well structured and put together within a climbing up my career within the job that I had. So by the time I got exhausted, by the time I was 40 and needed help, even my line manager was extremely shocked that I had been experiencing these levels of abuse. So in terms of aiding that poor healing process for myself. When I got to 40, I needed just to stop and work on me. And I kind of did that for, I think, about the next seven years I became celibate. I was, I kept, came away from 
relationship. It's just so I start to become stronger in myself and also in my relationships that I should negotiate with anyone else. Because one of the things I also learned is my friends or, you know, male and female friends, we celebrate each other. So we champion each other. And I realised I needed these relationships that did the same thing if I was going to have relationships. So I also need to know when, how to give myself permission to leave if I didn't feel there was a, a suit there as well. And very much the young people I worked with, these were the basic skills. I had been working with young people that I'd worked with. So I now needed to kind of take my own medicine as such and do the same thing. You moved on to become an advocate for victims and survivors of abuse. Why did you decide to become an advocate? I guess from the age of 16, I was kind of very strong-willed in terms of my passion. My passion was to save all the young people in the world from this ever happening to anyone ever again. And that's not possible. And I started working in that field as a youth worker, working on started in generic work and then became more specialised with working with young girls and then later on with women. And it's not possible, but I can do what I can to make a difference. So where I am now is I actually use my own story. I speak a lot on stage or I run workshops for women about breaking negative cycles in their life as well. I also coach women as a That's a large group of different types of people to work with. Do you have a preferred type of client or someone who has particular issues they want to resolve to work with? Yeah, sure. I well, for the last thirty-eight years, I have worked with young people. I I had kind of had two separate hats. I kind of do those more in the statutory, not within the business that I run. The business that I run, I'm a certified coach, and I work with women who want to break cycles in their life, whether it's in their personal life or within their uh, professional business life. So I I kind of attract a lot more black women actually that I work with and I think this because they resonate a lot with uh, myself and also you know I a lot of the audiences I go out to meet maybe it's the invitations where I I'm invited that a lot of women might resonate with my story and then reach out for support in terms of coaching. Well, last year you began the organisation Survivor Provider Services, or SPS for short. Why did you decide to begin that organisation? What I've noticed with a lot of providers who work with survivors is not, I'm not talking about the big national companies, are, I know a large number of individuals who run services as uh, for survivors. They either set up as a small charity or they're independent. And one thing I noticed was where do they get their support? There isn't there isn't a hub or a networking place where people can come to to network and support each other. And I also noticed that some of the practice that is out there is not um it's sort of standardised in terms of you may have someone saying that they're providing their coaching someone, but yet they don't have a coaching certificate or, you know, they're a relationship coach, but they don't have such training. So some of the reasons behind setting this up was firstly, as independents and small charities, it was to deliver, bring together the trauma and recovery programs. And so it could expand our reach as well. And that was one of the things that was quite difficult for if you're working as an independent 
is not knowing all the different kind of avenues of reaching your marketing. So joining up together enabled us to do that. Like I said, the networking, it was also about self-care of the providers. And lastly, like I said, it was about raising the standards and delivery and the practices. So what are your future plans for SPS? It's really to promote the services of trauma and recovery providers for the mainstream services and in education, social care and all aspects really. There was a lot of programs that aren't just about working with survivors. It might be if you are a professional who some of your clients or it could be that you are a head school and you've got to also look at the well-being but just of the training for the teachers as well and helping them to understand how to work with survivors. So it's really is about getting us out there and marketing what we've got. I also understand that you arrange coffee mornings for victims and survivors. What do these coffee mornings involve? The coffee mornings initially started because as a trainer, I was doing, like I said, the workshops for called Learn to Let Go, attended by women. And once they'd come along for two days, they felt really kind of delighted by some of the techniques that they had and they also needed the support, continued support of implementing some of those uh, techniques that they'd learned. So a lot of women kept on reaching out to me and I couldn't feel I could service all of those unless they were coaching clients at the time. Plus what I'd established was a peer group from those training. So I set up the coffee morning and what we do in the coffee morning really is about it it's kind of your check in but it's a lot more than that as well. They're topic based and it's about learning from discussion. It's sharing how a technique that we might be sharing or a question that we might put out there affects each of those those individuals who attend and how what changes or learning they may have gotten and that's what they share amongst each other really since we've had this pandemic we've taken the coffee line online so it now runs instead of running the first Saturday of every month in Victoria it now runs online at the moment every Saturday and now we have women who are who have come on to the coffee morning from different places of the world so it's been a wonderful change I actually think we're now going to be leaving it online and then they also have a WhatsApp group. Once you've come along to a coffee morning, then you get introduced to the, the larger group of uh, for peer support in the WhatsApp group. Let's step into the In Conversation time tunnel and go back to 2014 when you published your first book. What inspired you to write your book? I'm kind of very much led by passion as one. But also, sometimes in my life, I've had dreams. When I have a dream, and I dream a lot anyway, but there are sometimes I have these dreams that are so detailed and this covering of fear that comes over me that if I don't obey, I'm too fine not to obey. So I've had a few of those kind of dreams. I woke up one morning having had one of those dreams, and it was almost as if a voice had told me, tell your story. And I didn't question it. I understood it and I just obeyed it. I believe that was telling me to tell my story and I, something I tried to block out for years was my own story. I wanted to tell your story and up to that stage there was not many people I had told. I knew it was about my past. So that's what began me publishing the book. Why did you choose the title of your book? What happened was I was having a discussion on 
Facebook, I use social media to ask people about uh, if they'd like to read the chapter and have some feedback. And I remember a few comments from people came back to say, you know, well done, it's great that someone's standing up and airing out what goes on in all cultures and especially our own meaning African Caribbean cultures as well you know and it's not spoken of and my response is no more secrets no more I'm not doing no more secrets and then came a few of them that said that's your title so it kind of it came to me really uh, just out of discussion and just confirmation from those I was speaking to. So Malika how can people contact you? Well they can contact me either on my email which is pr at malakazedlon.com and I'll spell my name M-A-L-A-K-H Malika and then Zedlon Z-E-B-U-L-U-N pr at malakazedlon.com or on my website malakazedlon.com or social media you can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn I'm also on YouTube as well Thank you very much for your time Malika and take care Thank you so much Nigel No More Secrets, a book by Malika Zebulon shares her journey towards healing and empowerment after being sexually abused as a child. No More Secrets, available from Amazon and all good bookstores now. Have you experienced several failed relationships or been through a divorce? How can you avoid making the same mistakes again? How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes is out now. Hi, my name is Nigel Beckles. My new book is packed with practical and common sense strategies that you can use to make better relationship choices. Now you can discover the dangerous myths about love. If your relationship expectations are realistic, why you could be falling in love for all the wrong reasons. How to avoid making the big relationship mistakes. It's a book that could change your life. Available from www.relationshipmistakesbook.com and amazon.co.uk. Kindle version also available. Award-winning author Pamela R. Haynes. Her latest book, Loving the Brothers, is available from Amazon and all good bookstores now. Nominated in the Best Writer category by the BLAC Awards for 2020. Loving the Brothers by author Pamela R. Haynes. Order your copy of a fantastic book now. Looking for Love is a documentary that explores black relationships in the UK, seeking answers to difficult questions, transforming the way we think about love and relationships. You know, 50% of couples who marry this year will get divorced. Looking for Love, from the award-winning director Menelik Shabazz, is finally available on DVD. If I had been to a counsellor or been to a therapist, I would have dealt with a lot of those issues a lot quicker. Get yours today from lookingforlovefilm.com. Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe. Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you.
Please like the podcast and subscribe to this channel. Thank you.